record going live and let's go ahead and begin and we are live good afternoon everyone hopefully you are fantastic this turbo tuesday and thank you those of you on youtube for using this opportunity to archive this 139th episode can you believe it guys this is 139 back-to-back Tuesdays unfailingly since my first one. How crazy is that? Walter, good afternoon. Hello, I am 2JZ or Lamb 2JZ. Kind of fit. Good seeing you again. Long time no speak, eh? You were here yesterday tuning. What's up, Freddie Gomez? Yo, 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 Dr. Ryzen. Good seeing you indeed. Wow, Hectorio says he's been a fan for a long time. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I'm recording this now which I'll put on IGTV, but I'm also going to put that up on my YouTube page. So if you're not a subscriber, BC Moto is, this, is the uh, channel, you know? Yes, see you on the YouTube channel indeed, sir. Hello. Thank you so much for the kind words, William. And Walpersile, Wal good seeing you as well. F2O, F20B, baby, good seeing you. Um, can I join the team? I'm a programmer mechanic. Send your resume in if you have what it takes, by all means. Hello, Todd. Hope all is well. Turbo Tuesdays, yes, and um, it's so weird. What am I surrounded by here? I have an EV, um, 935 we converted. I have the new Taycan Turbo S, courtesy of Rusnak, and a twin turbo Cayman up there on the lift, so it is indeed a Turbo Tuesday, you know? Love the tune. Can't wait to upgrade the turbo, says Veloster N. Oh, man, thank you so much. I appreciate that, sir. Your car is really, really impressive. That torque is out of control. I'm doing great, champion boy. Good seeing you. Oh, follow me from Fastest Car, says Master CRX. I appreciate that indeed. Um, thank you, champion boy. Thank you so much. War Sammy, good afternoon. Um, entering these mods, we can help. I Luke, good seeing you. Corvold, any contacts in the EV autonomous industries? I'm job hunting. I do, actually. So I have a very good contact with the CEO of Waymo. So in that same Bay Area where you are, near Mountain View, I do have that, you know? What's a good ECU, says burning oil white tea, hitting the ground running? The AEM, of course. So AEM has the new VCU, two and 300, which is amazing. R35 says a nice shirt. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And if you guys like this, I'll bring this to This is the first prototype. I love prototypes, huh? This rubbish in my mouth. Anyway, I, I love prototypes, and this is my first one. So if you guys like this, I'll bring this out. It's of the K3V as it existed prior to what we're doing now, you know? Champion Boy says, what's my Jamaican accent? I am not Jamaican. I am Nigerian, actually. Um, came to U.S. as far back as 1989 to go to school and just end up staying, you know? Um, what are some of the jobs for young enthusiasts? Um, there are quite a bit. Everything from track support to pit crew to working in a speed shop. Um, I, I, you know, those are good, very good uh, little jobs you can do to get yourself acclimated to this environment, which is pretty nice, you know? I look 911 says, BC, you're a rock star, one of my faves. Thank you so much indeed. Um, do I install angel kits as the Ryzen? And I, I mean, I guess you mean angel eyes in the headlights? No, we do not. Uh, we do more hardcore performance here, you know. All of 911 said, are you much hit by the COVID and, and lockdowns? Yes. So it's affected us tremendously. I don't really take dinos much of anything. Um, above and beyond that, it's affected ourselves as people walk in because we're very safe here. My team, we support social distancing, so we don't, I don't give them really crazy hours to indulge themselves in. It allowed me the opportunity to create a lot of product, which is really good. Um, the flip side of that is in terms of part sales. So that being said, we do a lot of part sales nowadays, because I guess a lot of enthusiasts at home 
are uh, actually building their cars, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, oh, champion boy. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, am I building a rally car? No, I'm not. This year, I'm building two vehicles. I'm building uh, both Porsches. One is going to be petrol-based to really lay homage to my petrol hardcore guys. And the second one would be an EV-based one, which is pretty good, you know? Um, we'd love to go for a ride night take-on versus your 935 EV. That's a great question. So here's, here's my experience so far. So I just came from Pasadena with a take-on Turbo S. Now you may think, wait a minute, it's electric. Why does it have turbo? Well, Porsche has this really cool concept that turbocharging is just like a trim level, like a high horsepower trim level, and it doesn't necessarily have to denote having those spinny things, or better yet, a compressor and turbine combined uh, in a housing that can allow us to push air into an internal combustion engine. So that being said, Hence the Turbo S, and it's really fast. The launch control is amazing in this thing. So amazing, I need to find a way to initiate that in my K3V right here. So, compared to the K3V, in acceleration from a rolling star, the K3V destroys this. Of course, it's much lighter, like half the weight of the Taycan. Um, operates at 400 volts, so 800 volts is very, very appealing from what uh, Porsche has done with this. And that is a good opportunity as well. Hey, Shell, good seeing you. And above and beyond that, of course, the Taycan is much more luxurious. It has things like AC and ventilated seats and power steering. And, and it kind of took me a little bit of getting used to to turn on by pressing a button on the left. While on my 935, I put the key on the left. Um, the shifters on the dash, which you kind of actuate upwards to go into reverse and downwards to drive and midway for neutral on a button to put in park. While mine has a lever to initiate gear forward and backward. So there's some, some changes there. So... As a daily, the Taycan Turbo S is fantastic. It is amazing as a daily. Um, it also has four seats opposed to two. As a weekend, cool, fun vehicle, of course, the K3V is amazing, or it's a track build as well. So what would be the ideal scenario for a Porsche file? The Taycan S, Turbo S, as a daily driver, and a once in a while track car, because it handles extremely well. And I'm going to do a review on my YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed, go there and subscribe. I'm going to do a proper review on this. And I'm going to cover everything from how to charge your phone in it, which is very clever, to creature comforts and performance. And then if you want something that's really cool for the weekend, to have a good time and go to events and meets, of course, the K3V is the one to do. You know, They're both similarly priced in terms of a newer vehicle and a repurposed upcycled Porsche. So it hovers in the mid-200s, which is pretty nice in this particular trim. Now, if you want more creature comforts with a K3V and more refinement, then that, of course, that adds a little bit to the price as well, you know? Kovot said the CRX would be a cool conversion for an EV platform, but it's mostly of its appeal on how light it is. So you'd be adding mass when batteries fast. You're right. Um, I may end up exploring what you just mentioned, Kovot, very soon, because I kind of have this concept in my mind, which I need to dedicate some time to. And that concept is me being able to Take the C, my, my, my insight, with my drag insight that I broke tons of records with, some records still hold till today in drag racing, building my petrol engine again, tracking it, seeing what it does with some new technology I've learned, and then taking the petrol engine out, putting the EV with all the weight and some of the other accoutrements, and tracking it again. And I have a weird inkling that if I do this, let's say, with a large drive unit, um, large sport drive unit, I think it'll destroy my setup. But I'm curious about how the weight will be biased now, how my slicks will handle the increased torque, what kind of axles I'm gonna to have to upgrade to. It's gonna be pretty interesting, you know? You know, hello Honda Club 5500 RPM CMT. Good seeing you indeed. 
Carlitos, good seeing you indeed. Any R32GTRs not here in the facility? We have some variety here. So behind these array of Porsches right here, there's a nice DSM right there. There's an S2K. There's, of course, the Veloster N that we put together. There's a minivan. There are quite a few Porsches in front of that. There's a CRZ. There's so much variety. There's a Mercedes-Benz. An Audi up front that just got arrived. That just arrived today at R8. So it's been quite busy. It's quite, quite attractive today, you know? But there's something I really want to talk about because I, I saw that my good friend is here. Oh, hello, DJ Ramaroff is here as well. Um, and he's a great enthusiast as well. He's done a lot with Porsches. Uh, we have, um, I believe, the red Veloster N here as well, who's did a recent tune with me. We also have Kinda Fit, who also did a recent tune. And there's something I want to talk about with tuning. And that's the proper way and the improper way of tuning. So to tune, to allow me as an enthusiast to tune your vehicles, I need to have the best equipment. So that means not having an inertia-based dyno, having something that is more hydraulic-based, like the Dynapack, which I used. I know it's more expensive for operators to buy that dyno, but it's well worth it because it allows me to do partial throttle tuning. For example, kind of fit we came in here, had a base map in his car, had short and long-term trims that in combination was up to 11%. And I was able to, in partial throttle, get him close to 1% correction in, that, in those climate conditions and made his car run much better. His vehicle actually had an opportunity to have a happier ECU. And by far, he will have even better gas mileage because the ECU just have to hunt and keep trying to correct so rapidly back and forth. Now, I can only do this with this kind of equipment. I cannot do that in terms of remote tuning. It'd be very difficult. I can look at short-term trims and whatnot, but it won't be allowed me to do that steady state. Now, here's something else that's more interesting. For his vehicle, for his kind of fit, I was able to, based upon the base map, in the lower RPMs, I added about two degrees of timing. In the mid-range, it was only about one. Up, upper mid-range, I barely touched it, and up top, I had to pull away almost two, three degrees. Now, how did I know to do that? Because on the dyno, I was able to, as sensitive as my dyno is, see what the differences made for me in terms of power. Now, it didn't put them anywhere near knock, because some remote tuners will push your car to it knocks like crazy, and buck off two degrees, but normally that's not where your engine is most efficient. So a dyno allows me to optimize ignition timing very nicely. Now, I can do that remote tuning. It gets even crazier with cam timing. So you know how some of the cars have VVTI, variable cam timing on the intake, some have them as elegantly on the exhaust as well. Um, you have the K-series, some of the 2JZ VVTIs, you have the new Alexa, you have Porsches, you have Mercedes-Benzes. It is impossible to be able to know if you're going in the right direction on a street tune or a boat tune. You need a dyno to be able to quantify those changes in cam control to give you a wide torque path. So what does that mean, guys? I wouldn't support, if I were in your position, I wouldn't support those individuals who are remote tuners. It doesn't do any good thing for you. It's better to find a reputable dyno in your local vicinity. If need be, ship your car far away. It's well worth the power and reliability. Than trying to, you see those memes online, someone doing a street tune and the engine blows up and the hood flies off in front of them. It's dangerous, you know. Have I tuned a VG30 ET? Yes, I have, sir. And, uh, oh, Puerto Rico's in the house, courtesy ELOB79. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Hello, Sabrina VDP. Thank you so much for joining this Tech Tuesday, my 139th episode. Guys, let me tell you what's crazy about this 139th episode, right? I... A Tuesday fell on Christmas. Tuesday fell on my daughter's birthday. Tuesday fell on New Year's. Tuesday fell on the day my son was born. Tuesday fell on... Thank you, Ricky. Tuesday fell on so many... On my anniversary. Tuesday fell on so many crazy days, but I still, unfailingly, even when I was traveling to NorCal, even when I was filming with Netflix, 
out in Rochester, New York for, what was that Charlize Theron show, uh, Hyperdrive, I still took time to do my Tech Tuesday, and this is the 139th episode. It's amazing. Seems like yesterday when my first one started, when I had two individuals joining me. That's crazy, huh? Hello, Admiral Tom. Good seeing you. How do I feel about tuning the Velocity N as Boosted N? Well, here's it. Here it is. The Velocity N has tons of potential, and I think we are able to unlock a lot. There are some restrictions, however. The limitations with the cast wheel, which is a 41-millimeter inducer, so a bigger turbo does help. The limitations with the heat exchange via the intercooler. Um, my friends at CFS and I, CSF and I are coming up with a great solution for that. And the tuning is quite invasive. And what I mean by that is not as simple as plugging to your OBD port and tuning away. The encryption that the Continental ECU has, the 250 ECU, is very, very advanced. Um, can you order that shirt? Yes, I can, Ricky. Tell me what size you are and I'll make it happen. The way to tune that is to actually go on the board of the ECU itself. Create a boot mode, grab the files, use WinOLS to modify and put it back in. And that's quite invasive. So you can imagine if you're doing a multiple tune, let's say you're doing something very custom, you have to do that multiple times. It's quite invasive. So I enjoy the intricacies of tuning that tune. I enjoy the fact that it's, it's, it's a bit challenging. So it's not something that anyone can just muck around and do. But it is a lot of work. <laughs> but well worth it. So what I have done is I've found the perfect Cantu and experimented on my own Veloster N and found the perfect Cantu for level one, level two that can work very well with the majority of the mods that people do out there. Now, if you do something crazy with a huge, big turbo, we have to go and do something differently. But if you're doing like a level one or a level two or a level two with that, an upgraded compressor wheel, I have the tunes for you, you know? Why do manufacturers make it so difficult to tune your ECU? Carlitha Rose, that's a great question. So I'll, I'll refer you to a good friend of mine, Ralph Gilles. He's the head of global design for FCA. That's a Fiat Chrysler group. Um, automobiles group, so they do everything from the Maserati to the Chrysler to the Dodge, um, you know, Fiat, all these wonderful brands. And he's the head of global design, or global head of design. He told me a story about how the challenges that they had as a manufacturer, well, especially in the diesel market, was just ridiculous. Well, people were bringing their cars and say, hey, I don't know what happened, the engines are blowing up, the heads are lifting on these diesel cars, we don't know what's going on. And the engineers scratching their head like, did we design a bad Cummins engine? What is going on? Why are these diesels coming in like crazy? Well, what happened was these tuners were pushing boost like crazy because it was very easily accessible to grab the ECU and then change things around. And when something goes wrong, they flash it back to stock and send the dealer and say, I don't know what happened. So it ended up being a very big expense for the manufacturer in this case. And that's the same thing. Manufacturers have no idea what you're going to do with their cars. They don't know the quality or the experience level of these tuners who are going in and changing things. So that being said, they have to make it very challenging for people like us to go inside. So Bosch did wonderful things to be able to do some really clever encryption, but still people are able to jailbreak the Type R, and even now Hyundai does it which in a way that you can jailbreak it digitally. Uh, with the Hyundai, they went to town. They really, I've never seen this. Other Hyundais, I can flash the OBD, but with the Flosser N, with so much potential, it's a shame, but they really locked the crap out of it. So they made it very challenging. So what I'm now doing is now, bypassing that encryption that exists via the OBD port and going directly to the boards. And it's, it's, it's scary. It's not very good if you don't know what you're doing. Um, you have to have a very good knowledge of circuitry to be able to do that, which is great. Jordan Aguilar is asking a great question. Type R of Velocity N. So for peak power, because we've had, man, I have 400 wheel, 400 pound foot of torque Type Rs coming here getting tuned on E30. So for sure power, man, the Type R is a formidable setup. And when you drive the Type R, it 
feels, I'm, I'm telling you, if I close your eyes and put you in Type R and you had no idea what you're driving and you tracked it, you would not believe you were driving a front-wheel drive. It's, it has amazing capabilities. Now, on the flip side of that, I don't like the boy racer look of the Type R. It's a little too flashy inside, lots of red, lots of VTEC, lots of hot boy in there. The exterior is a bit too ricey for me. There's just too much going on. So it's almost like thinking of the Golf R as the other extreme. That's a little too tame, and the Golf R is a very formidable competitor for the Type R, but it's a little too plain. The Veloster N has just the right touch, as in it's not too racer, it's not too tame, it's not like it's crazy, hot boy like the Type R, it's not too plain like the Golf R, it's right there. Just the right amount of elegance. The interior is nice, the little blue seatbelts give it just a little nice touch. The doors are, you know, are solid, the steering is solid, very European Beamer-like in the feel of the steering and the shifting. The um, backfire or crackle in the back is a very nice touch. And here's something I really, really like, as the same with the Golf R, you can customize your own mode. So with Type R, when you're in N mode, that's it, you're in N mode. You stiffens up the steering wheel, stiffens up the steering. Um, and, and the suspension is a really different, great stuff, right? But you cannot customize it. The Vosser N, I can have all the benefits of the N mode, which is like my R mode and Type R R plus mode, but I can soften up my suspension. So I can have the, the exhaust note and the power and the boost and the, and, and, and the, and the, the two kapop <laughs> that the temporary raw is talking about, you know? You can do that and adjust your suspension to be soft. So you don't have that really stiff suspension as you're enjoying your modes. So it's, it's really more configurable, more, more customizable with the Velocity N. And guess what? I own one. So I own a Velocity N just because of those reasons. I really like, it's really, really nice, you know? Mr. Silver says, hey, BC watching from Brazil. Congrats on the excellent job. Thank you so much, Shai. I appreciate that indeed. Kovod is asking, can a Type R exterior be converted down to regular silver parts? Yes. If anything, I discussed it with Matt uh, Rodriguez, Matt Rodriguez from uh, Honda Tuning. It would be like perfect to take a Civic SI and transplant everything Type R on it. Because the Civic SI is actually quite an elegant looking car. Just has the L15B, not the K20C that exists in the Type R. So it doesn't have the power potential of the Type R. You can push it and push it to get there with a lot of parts, but it's just not the Type R. But it's, it's, it's a lot more elegant in look to me, you know? Jordan says, to me, I felt that Velocity N was a more engaging car than Type R. You, there's some truth to that, you know? But in all your YT says, what do you prefer? All-wheel drive EV or rear-wheel drive EV? So I'm too simple, too early to say that. So what do I mean by that? Of course, a Taycan here. And also, recently, I had the EV400 Jaguar I-Pace last week. We're all all-wheel drive. And just the launch is amazing. The 935K3V is a rear-wheel drive. And it rotates very nicely, has great, does great burnouts, moves tires really, really cool. You can drift it very nicely. It's cool. But... I'm throwing away a lot of energy in terms of losing adhesion, right? So, give me a few months. My goal is to build another 911, combine that with all-wheel drive technology similar to this, and see how they both compare. I have a feeling that I would love the straight-line performance of the all-wheel drive, but I feel like I'll love the tossability of the rear-wheel drive. But we'll see, yeah? Basically, what are tour hobbies outside building and tuning? Tour hobbies outsider? I don't know. What are your hobbies outside? Okay, Z31 says, what are my hobbies outside of building and tuning cars? That's interesting because um, I really enjoy what I do. People ask me all the time, why are you always here? I spend more time in my facility than in my own home. It's 
spend more time here than my own family. Shame on me. But I really enjoy what I do immensely. And it, it, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, it's, it's, I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world where I can have a creation on paper, right? And then bring it to life. It's just amazing. It's amazing to be able to have something that you jot down or create or design and, and get to experience it firsthand. There's nothing like that. And that really pushes me. But above and beyond that, prior to COVID, I love traveling. I love going to restaurants and eating out. Um, I love fashion. I love working out. But COVID has changed a lot of those things. So I'm now kind of uh, brought down to maybe working out at home, which I don't have any equipment. So I'm kind of losing some of my muscle mass. Um, I don't get to travel anymore because of, you know, we have to restrict where we go, just keep safe. But um, I still indulge myself in speed and creating things, which is great, you know. That Porsche EV you have is next level, says Ray Chavez. Thank you so much. I appreciate that indeed. It's so good to be able to get exposed to this. Because, guys, I, I get this a lot. I have some, so many people who keep speaking ill of the EV projects, which is weird. And I ask them, hey, have you driven? Majority of them, have you driven an EV? No, I haven't. So I was the same way. I judged EV technology based upon what I thought, being that it was very popular to see a Prius or maybe an early generation Tesla. And then hearing from other enthusiasts that it has no soul and it's just, just timid and it's for tree huggers and it's horrible. To be honest with you, that has not been my experience. I was forced to build this K3V electric 935 Porsche because I noticed that my partners from Honda, from Hyundai, from Porsche were all going towards this technology. And if I want to continue to be a tuner, I need to embrace this new technology because it is the future. So I built my first one and I was blown away. It didn't help either that I had influences from people like Michael Bream or like Ian, um, who's the you know, voice actor, um, or I had influences from David Little, who's my bank manager, or even Acura sending me a ton of NSXs, which were a combination of EV motors and petrol engines. It was just, it didn't help that they kept doing that to me. I'm like, oh my God, there's something here. And when I finally built mine, that's about 2,600 pounds and 636 horsepower, it's amazing. It's just, it's a rocket. It's faster than this in top, in just, just cruising. It's the launch control of the all-wheel drive Taycan Turbo S that's amazing. And above and beyond that, you send the car, it is 100% Porsche. It is 100% Porsche, you know? It's just the fit and finish. It, once again, I talk about this a lot. The, the current market leader in EV mobility, if you send the cars, they're cool, but they don't have the fit and finish like what Porsche has or Jaguar has. So Porsche did a great job in making this car all Porsche. And it, it feels like a Porsche, it smells like a Porsche. And even my own creation here with the 935 smells and it feels like a classic Porsche. It feels like a classic when we do the steering wheel, but when you step on the throttle, it is a whole different monster, which is great, you know? Thank you, Z31. Um, do you have any connections, says Silk All-Wheel Drive CRX, to conversion kits to build an all-wheel drive CRX? Yes. So one of my partners that helped me with my all-wheel drive wagon is Automotive KMD. They're based back east in the East Coast. Give them a call. They're here on Instagram. If you have a hard time finding them, let me know. Mr. Silva says, Ramel Hyperdrive. Yes, we had a good time really doing that, you know? Filming that. That was a good show. We filmed that actually in the, in the Kodak Eastman complex, which is not heavily used now. It's so sad how Kodak was such a huge company in Rochester, hired a ton of people in that area. And then in the event of digital photography, they kind of fell off the map a little bit, you know? Dragon 3D Moms Moon says, yes, the instant torque is what? It is amazing. It is amazing how electric motors can really distribute power and torque. 
Is a new plenum from a 96 boxer worth it? It depends on which one. Are you talking about IPD? Are you talking about switching over to a, a modification of a GT3 to fit yours? Let me know. Dragon 3 Moon saying, did you work with AEM on the controller? Absolutely, sir, and we'll continue to. One thing is that AEM as a company I love so much because they really take criticism constructively. So as we continue to play around with components, whether it's the AEM EV controller, whether it's the AEM Infinity, the company really wants to find ways to improve on things. So I'm going to build a jig here in the facility where I'm going to place certain drive units in there and do a lot of testing, even some fair analysis using both the larger and small EV controllers from AEM. And I'll, I'll bring you guys on board with the ride. I'll post a lot of that on Instagram, um, just to you know, make some results, but definitely on YouTube. I'm going to have a ton there. So if you want to see some in-depth stuff and you haven't subscribed, go to YouTube channel. You guys on YouTube? Subscribe, and we'll make it happen. You know, you'll be able to see what's going on, you know? Porsche Carrera with custom turbos, AEM Infinity, or stock ECU tuning, says J.Chalk. Well, if you are a fan, as I am, of fail-safes, you kind of want to do an AEM Infinity. And when I say that, I'm talking about cars, let's say you're converting like that Cayman up there, that's it's like a track-based vehicle that's being converted from a petrol engine that is non-turbo to a turbo. With AEM Infinity, I have the capability of doing everything from launch control to closed-loop feedback in terms of O2 sensing to closed-loop knock sensing per cylinder to be able to do things in terms of boost cut. I can also adjust boost based upon air temps ingested into the engine. I can do boost cut based upon or boost control based upon ethanol content. I can do flex fuel. I can do so many things and all the features already open on the AM Infinity. Now, what if I do have already a newer 991 turbo? AM Infinity will control that because of direct injection. I will then turn to a Cobb unit and the Cobb access port allows me to do amazing things as a custom tuner to make things happen with that particular assembly, and you can make 900 horsepower just like that. It's really amazing. I mean, of course, you want to have supplementing components, but you can really have a good time tuning the cob. So it depends on the application. Any thoughts on the 97, said DR2K? It's a great deal right now. I'm working on it. See that right there? That is a fully built 987, and today I'm going to play around with some little fabrication and then do something with my cooling system to make things really cool. But I think the 97s are a bargain deal right now, whether you're looking at the Cayman or the Boxster 987. Especially if you get the 987S with the six-speed and the chrono package involved with the 3.4-liter flat-six engine. It is amazing. If you want to stay naturally aspirated or opt for boosting like I do, they handle unlike anything else. I feel that the best handling Porsches are mid-engine setups. Now, take away from the Turbo S um, you know, vehicle right behind me, that's a joy to, you know, to encompass, but it's really, really amazing. The mid-engine Porsches have really changed my mind. The only thing is that I feel that if it had the power of a 911, it would destroy the 911. But to keep the 911 as the halo, the Cayman Boxers, mid-engines will have to stay a little bit down there, huh? Are you planning on doing any electric collaborations with Honda? AE86, if I tell you, I have to kill you. I'm AE82. <laughs> have you ever been to or will you ever visit England, says Joe Palmer. Sir, I used to visit the UK on an annual basis, whether it was for the Autosports show in Birmingham or to visit some of my dealers who are residing in the Kent area, uh, I tend to frequent the UK. And even when I go home to visit family, I always make it a plan to either stop in Germany and or the UK or just the UK. So I tend to go to England quite often. I haven't been this year based upon what's been going on with travel restrictions, you know? Hello, LA Dismantler, sis. Good seeing you guys. For those of you who don't know LA Dismantler, this is a, a facility that is headed up by Sarah Deckerman. And I'm going to be working with her a lot this year. She helped me tremendously with the K3V. 
and I bought the engine components for that up there from her as well. And you may see that crazy flame shooting 996 twin turbo I did. I got components from her as, there as well. And with the two Porsches I'm building this year, she is going to be my go-to person for anything that I need that is hard to find or even I want a good price on. So she has a dismantler that has everything out there, a lot of water-cooled stuff, semi-air-cooled, and really two-door based a lot. So give her a call if you need anything, you know? Do you have a dream build that you haven't had a chance to do yet? Yes, I do, Z31 Rose, and that would be, honestly, a street-faring Moby Dick. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but Porsche built this crazy 935 that is as long as my dually truck out there. It's absolutely beautiful, and it looks like a, an exaggerated, and you see my 935 that people love, is, think of it exaggerated with a tail that's maybe six feet longer <laughs> than what that is back there. Really wide, very aggressive. When you have a chance, look up Porsche Moby Dick. It is an amazing car. And the Moby Dick, maybe because the whales, the tails are really, really crazy. And it's never been on the street. You know, there have been K3Vs on the street, even from Kremer. Um, there have been factory 935s on the street. Um, the two cars that haven't been street faring yet is the 935 M16, which maybe I get to do one day, and the Moby Dick. That would be ultimate. So an ultimate vehicle would be a street-faring Moby Dick with full electric and creature comforts in it. That would be the one, you know? Will the AM Infinity pass emissions, says Texas Holyfield, on an ABD um, test? No. ABD2 test, no. The AM Infinity is purely for off-road use. It is purely a performance ECU. It's a performance engine management system that is, it gives you this high motorsports quality, motorsports accessibility protocols at a sportsman price, so it's for off-road use only. Even when you register to buy it, even when you register to even tune it, you have to fill out a bunch of check marks and information about yourself to let them know that you are gonna use it for off-road use only. So it's not for OBD at all, you know? Genetalk says, thanks BC, let's get in touch. I only want you to touch my car. If you sell, I'll buy hardware from you too. Thank you so much, Jay, I appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing that. 97 tuning, many options. As I mentioned to you, AM Infinity is there as well. We Develop a protocol to do that. It's not very popular, but if you go to AM's website and look for specialty applications, you'll see BC Moto for the 987. So we have that for you. Um, and uh, that's the only one I really trust. Is there a difference between controlling direct injection versus port injection with a standalone ECU? Absolutely, Matthias. So nowadays, you can do both systems using VE, volumetric efficiency, meaning that you're calculating, calculating the efficiency of air being ingested in the engine and assigning fuel based upon that calculation, and it makes things much easier to tune, opposed to using pulse width or numbers of injection to be able to, or time for injection to be able to adjust accordingly. The direct injection, you can get away with little mixtures just because of the nature of the stratification inside the combustion chamber. Put injection, you have to use a standard, you know, 14.6, AFR for stoichiometry, and most boost applications do anything from what, 11.4 to 12.2, and A hovers in the upper 12th to low 13th, low to mid 13th. That's a little different, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that's a little different for direct injection, but direct injection adds another complex variable there, pump. The mechanical pump has these valves that exist that like to build that pressure to 1,800, 2,000, 4,000, whatever the PSI requirements for the engine is. And if you don't tune that properly, if you're not functionally or capable of functioning that properly, you can expire an engine very quickly. So there's an additional concept of the control of the electric pump 
to allow you to do a good job with that. So yes, it's a little different. Um, emission timing, cam control, all that stuff is pretty much crosses over. But when it comes to you know fuel economy that you can see and stoichiometry, you can run much leaner burn with direct injection. And when it comes to the pump control, it's a bit very different, you know. And as Hamad and I think if you're coming to Australia, which I haven't been, I was talking to my father yesterday. We do want to visit there. Um, the car culture is crazy, bro. And you can come see our crazy rotaries at our shop. I would love that, Anas. Keep in touch with me. I may make that happen. Is the IPD planning more worth it for the 96? Asked Jacob. I have not experimented with that yet. I've done crazy things where I'm using a factory plenum on a 986 from a 997, and I gained some good power there. Literally, there's one on the Hot Wheels center seat that I did. It's a 2.596 motor. I got rid of the factory plenum and put this large 997 direct injection, I don't know, direct injection, 997 um, drive-by wire setup, and I picked up a ton of power. So I haven't, I haven't, I can't speak on things I haven't experienced myself. I don't have a relationship with IPD. If I did, I would experiment and see what it does on Dyno and share that information with you. Maybe I should talk to them and make that happen, but at this point, I don't have that data. Forgive me, please, you know? What was the name for the all-wheel drive CRX? Said sick all-wheel drive CRX. It is Automotive KND. So Automotive K like Kevin, N as in Nancy, D as in David. They are here on Instagram. Let the owner know that I sent you. Matthias says, thanks for a, lot, for a lot for the explanation. My pleasure indeed. My boy BC says, go 520 performance. Good seeing you, sir. I hope you're staying very safe. And I'm here today on Turbo Tuesday with behind me some really cool cars. I have the new Taycan Turbo S initially in this, in this prototype stage called the Mission E, which I kind of thought it was a cool name. Um, it's the Taycan Turbo S. Turbo means the upscale model in the 200,000 range. Absolutely amazing, north of 700 horsepower, all-wheel drive, tons of torque, very luxurious. So many great things to talk about. As some of the qualms I may have, a very strange port for plugging in any kind of USB. Interesting. The headroom in the back seat is not very comfortable, very small. You kind of saw my height, I'm about six feet, I, I, six foot tall. I can't really comfortably sit there for extended periods of time. Um, the acceleration midway is okay. I guess my K3V already spoiled me. But apart from that, and then the shifter is interesting. To press a button is almost like a, a button on a laptop. You know, the, you have the, the desktops that you can just, not laptop, but desktop you press in and hold to turn off. Kind of has that as well. The shifter is a little bit, takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, but the interior is absolutely gorgeous. And the, it's chock full of technology. I'm going to post, I'm serious guys, in the next day or so, maybe a couple of days, I'm gonna post my review, I'm going to go into very big detail on like small things that you and I as enthusiasts appreciate that most people who are, who are journalists that cover the car don't talk about. But we will, because we appreciate that stuff, you know? So we do that. Question, says Admiral Tom, how did it feel when you turned Jalen into a Honda guy? Well, it felt very good. It was, it was an honor to be able to have Jalen drive a performance Honda, being an old drive one. He couldn't believe how fast this thing was. And he actually, we don't talk about it, he actually misbehaved. The reason why that episode was so short is he was whooping people on the street, which is crazy. Should I talk about that? But he was really going to town on that thing. And he enjoyed it. He couldn't believe that this, this fast bar stool existed. And he said it was a bar stool because in the wagon you kind of sit straight up, right? And it's pretty interesting, you know? It, it's, really, it's really strange. Um, oh, and speaking of strange, I don't know if you guys like this shirt. Let me know if you like it. It's a prototype. I don't know if I should bring it to market. Those of you on YouTube, let me know in the comments below. For those of you here, let me know as well. Um, burning oil, oil white teeth is what's my most analog build? It would be 
my old CRX. So that's the first car that kind of made my mark in drag racing here in the United States. It was a 1988 Honda CRX. I had the opportunity to build this to be super analog. And what do I mean by super analog? How about this for analog? MSD Digital 6, probably the most advanced thing in the car. A Holly pump, dual 44 Makunis, PHH 40 Makunis. So they were carburetors, side drive carburetors. A completely gutted distributor, so we had nothing in there but just a trigger to allow my Digital 6 to give me a very loose curve that retards timing when cranking and gives me a bit of a flat curve when I'm in action with the car. So that was very, very, very analog. <laughs> Super analog. I mean, if I changed elevation significantly, I had to change my emotion tubes and my jets. Um, being that the fact that the carburetor is a very somewhat elegant density metering device, the more air that goes past the Venturi at lower elevations, the more fuel that's metered. At high elevations, when it's not as much, it meters less. So yeah. Jorge is laughing at me, but yeah, that was the most analog car I had. My throttle position was just a throttle wire to the center of my, I would say, my linkage to allow me to move it. The linkage required more actuation that my factory pedal had to initiate. So if I went full throttle, it would only go up 80%. So I bent up my pedal to allow me to have more actuation of, to get to 100%, you know? Oh, James said, don't forget the three bars. He's right. I had some Antera knockoffs from Prime, from Prime Wheel because <laughs> Antero was a bomb then with the three bar wheels so I definitely couldn't afford that so I got some you know they were very good quality but they were knockoffs of Antero's and they existed I think in like 15 inch instead of the 17 or 18 Antero's were it was pretty interesting you know gotta start somewhere indeed Cam Diesel do you like drag or circuit racing better and why says Ghost520 so I was, that's a great question good question Ghost so I'll share this with you I honed my teeth and James is actually who's here Mr. JMJ he is actually my best friend was my best man at my wedding. He's the one who taught me how to actually install my first engine into my CRX. So he was there from day one. He had a beautiful rotary Mazda, beautiful oxblood cherry black color with some Epsilon wheels, gorgeous. Like if he had that today, it would be so money. But anyway, I digress. He and my good friend Taryn, who also, we all worked at Circuit City, you know, back in the day where, where service was state of the art. We all worked and they got me into Drag racing. Hello, Stacy from South Africa. I hope you, dad, and mom are doing well, and sister as well. Stacy was also on the show on Netflix, Hyperdrive. She was a young lady with a BMW who had a challenge with the water logging her engine or hydro locking it, you know? She's great. I love you, Stacy. Good seeing you. But nonetheless, they got me to drag racing. So the entire time I was in college, I drag raced. When I graduated from school, I drag raced. I made my name drag racing, high performance, small displacement, high RPM engines, and breaking records doing it. Never had the opportunity to road race until I bought that. The first car I ever road raced in was that Cayman 987 right there. Changed my life. And what I mean by that? All this time I love drag racing. And then I road raced and it's like drag racing on steroids. It's like you keep going and go. It's like I love the straightaways. I love the slight S's because I just go crazy. It just reminds me of drag race days. But the weird thing about drag racing ghost is that you and I spend so much money to spend less and less time on the track. Think about it. You spend more money, put more technology, more performance into your car to cut down your time so you spend less time on the track. I started off running 18.4 <laughs> in my CRX HF, and then when I was done with my CRX, I retired it when I ran 
So I spent all this money in that CRX, going from 18s to 9s, and I spent more money, I spent less time on the track. While road racing, you can go on and on and on and on and on. It's amazing. It's just, and then if, if you make a mistake, you have time to recover, and it's very competitive, especially if you do something great. Oh, D-Link says the same thing. Same for circus, though, says uh, D-Link. And for those of you who know D-Link, he's all the way in Belgium. Thank you for joining. And you know my wagon, those rear weird covers, those, those, those turbo fans, those aero discs? He manufactured that for me. He's a great guy, very talented. I've used him for, for some of the projects we've had in-house, for some of the OEM projects from Hyundai. Um, he did one that helped us with our, our, our EV, our hybrid conversion, our, our project. He's great. So if you guys need, I think you're still doing it. Let me know, D-Link, if you are. But he is the man when it comes to turbo fans. And so creative. And guess what? It's not just for looks. His turbo fans work. They actually are rooted in science, which I love about him. You know? Do you have pictures of CRX? We want to see it. You know what, Ernie? For you, I'm going to post it. I have pictures of the CRX and my engine. It's analog as F, which <laughs> is crazy, you know? So what you can do for me, Ernie McFly, DM me here on Instagram. Remind me. I can give you credit for letting me bring that, dig that up. I'll dig my crates, do like a little throwback Tuesday or something like that. And I'll let you know, you know? Any Honda B-Series tips? Yes, displacement is your friend. Above and beyond that, don't ship it on the parts. The B-Series is a small block Chevy on the Honda world. The challenge is the K-Series doesn't make more horsepower because the head flows much better, but the B-Series has aftermarket support unlike any other. I'm a huge advocate of the, uh, of the um, B-16 heads. I love the B-20 bottom ends from the LS setups because it gives you displacement and the flow of the head of B-Series. And I love the VTEC, of course. And if you want to go any or boosted, boosted is a really great way to make power. It gives you more bang for buck. But definitely you want to choose the right parts. I love using Tron pistons. I still go Nego. I use Eagle rods. I use a proper engine management solution. Please don't cheapen out. S300s are cool because they're very cost effective, but it doesn't give you a protection you can get with AM Infinity. If you need help, I can do a package deal for you. There's so much, you know? Ghost 520 says, have you ever gone into drifting? No, I haven't. So Ghost 520, just like you, I am a man who likes definitive results. So I like racing that's, how should I say, um, not subjective, that's conclusive with numbers. So that being said, I hear results out there. I hear something weird, it's kind of weird. Anyway, so I prefer numbers and not something where someone kind of judges, oh, that was a good little angle. I don't like that. Um, so sports that have timers, speed, all that good stuff, that's what I like. You know, half mile stuff, eighth mile, quarter mile, you know, time attack, road racing, circuit, um, autocross, I like that. Drifting, I respect it as a sport because it's very hard to do. Um, that car, it sounded like Texas, it sounded like a Subi. had that kind of flat four kind of sound to it. Anyway. So that being said, um, drifting is tough because I had an opportunity to participate as an influencer um, with uh, ID Agency and we went to Irwindale and I, I did learn how to drift. I did some stuff. If you go on Hoonigan, type in B Simon Hoonigan, you see some stuff I did with Hoonigan, drifting a front wheel drive Veloster N. And it's fun, but I just can't get into something that doesn't have definitive numbers. So I respect the sport. It's not easy to do. It's not easy, but it's not my cup of tea. Any news with Fast Car Season 3? Nothing yet. With COVID, Everything's shut down. You know how many things we're supposed to shoot? Even this, my K3V right here, I'm supposed to do a Jay Leno show. He, Jay Leno's supposed to drive this before I change the little livery on this thing. I think I should go back. Anyway, 
Um, that being said, I didn't have the opportunity to do much of anything. So a lot of filming has been kind of halted because of COVID, you know? Dealing says, drifting is like golf. Hard to learn, fun to do, boring to watch. Ooh, that's a good analogy, sir. I like that. Just like golf, hard to learn, true. Fun to do, it was a blast, boring to watch. Yeah, I mean, some people like the... the cr a lot of people, a lot of kids I see love the crashes, which is pretty good, you know? D-series are... Do I have a D-series or a single? Oh, single by all means, Burning YT. The ZC twin cam and also D60A1 have limitations due to the valve tray. I made a lot of power and a lot of people are going really fast with our components running a D16Z6 or A6 combination or individual. You know? Any advice with building an S2000 reliable 400 horsepower, supercharger turbo, what would you recommend? I would recommend reliability-wise, honestly, as much as I love turbocharging, if 400 was your goal, supercharge. You can do something with a, like a Kraftwerk supercharger. We have cars coming here doing 400 all day. I, I think that we've even helped, um, oh, Luis was here. I think he comes tomorrow to visit. Luis has a silver one, even with a Vortec kit that makes 450 by E85. But I have a ton of Vortec ones using that, uh, um, no, Vortec, the Kraftworks one using that, um, I'm trying to remember the name of superchargers, like a, it's a European brand, um, Rotrex, using a Rotrex supercharger, very efficient supercharger. On pump gas, making 400, 402, 420, thereabout, yeah. And the reason why I say that with S2000 is heat management. When you do a turbocharger near the exhaust manifold, you have your batteries there and your, your battery there and you have your, fuel, you know, your, your fuse box and it puts a lot of heat in there and it's good to relocate it or else you can catch on fire, which I've seen customers do. I've warned them, relocate this. They don't listen and something happens, right? With a supercharger, it's just like an NA setup. You make the power, you have a nice wine, you make the power, it's great, you know? Joking Honda says, can you say bear listen to your... I have a barely, I don't know what you're saying. Anyway, um, I love Tesla. It says he sees that Taycan Turbo. Yes, it's right behind me. You see that Rosneck plate? I just drove right from Rosneck in Pasadena down here. They're awesome people, and they had, gave me the opportunity to, to spoil me some more and give me access to this wonderful new Taycan Turbo S. A blast to drive. This thing is so much fun, so luxurious, very tossable. You can kind of feel the weight in the steering wheel. Um, High speed performance, it doesn't perform as well as my 935. Warranty my 935 is half the weight and close to the power, maybe 100 horsepower shy of it. But uh, I should change that really. But nonetheless, it's chuck full of technology and is amazing indeed, you know? VR6, 24 valve, high compression turbo or supercharger? High compression turbo, brother. By all means, you can modulate that much better, you know? Turbo Pappy is asking about my thoughts on new Ford Bronco. That thing looks really cool. I've never been a Bronco fan, but this new one's going to make me one. It looks really cool. And guess what? Not that old school Bronco prices weren't already high. It's going to just go through the roof now. But I think it's looking very, you know, very nice. Okay, bring back the Matrix Racing, says Ricky Unfiltered. Ricky, you're going way back, right? So, guys, the team that James, Taryn, and I formed back then was called Matrix Racing. And it was a, because I was studying matrices and polynomials in my calculus class in engineering school, or in university, I should say, at Cal Poly, Cal State, sorry. And... Thought that was a very good name for a race team because it was like an aggregate of numbers that start small and grows, grows stronger and larger, right? In a very simplistic manner. So I'm like, that's great. Our team starts small, we're gonna grow pretty strongly. So a matrix, that's what we are, we're a matrix. And then I had the logo, I just drew it on a piece, I just wrote matrix, like in cursive on a piece of paper at Circuit City when I was working. I scanned it, had my good friend, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, James, you remember his name that used the stickers for us? Not Sinclair, starts with an S. Oh my goodness. Not Simon. Oh, 
Oh, it'll come to me. Anyway, we had a sticker guy make these stickers for us, and uh, we rocked it. Until the movie came out. The Matrix movie came out and destroyed it all for us. So that movie came out, everyone started calling their teams Matrix, Matrix, Matrix. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just change the name. So I got rid of the Matrix name because it was just too ubiquitous and changed the name to 400M. And the M, I kept the same M as a Matrix, but it's 400 meters, like a quarter mile or 1320 feet. So I kind of did that instead. And we became Team 400M, which is good, you know? I can upload more EV driving me around the track, burning all your white tea. You are reading my mind. I, I would love to. But tracks are kind of closed. I'm waiting to do that because I need some thermal management data on this right now. And why did I say that? Because right now, I am air-cooled with my batteries. I need, I'm, I'm poised to set up with liquid cooling if need be. But right now, I am air-cooled. So I want to see what the thermal management is going to be. And I need to get some data. So yes, as soon as I get access to the track, I'm going to beat this thing up and see how she does. But in the meantime, I am relegated to Mexico to be able to get any kind of content. But it's not the same as a as a sanctioned track, you know? Top Boy 10 says internships. That's a very wide question. Why is it simple? What do you mean? Speaking of Turbo Tuesday, how does this Nissan 400Z actually get your hands on one BC? I don't have a relationship with Nissan at all. And if I did, I'd love to, but the reason why I'm able to build cool Hyundais and cool Hondas and Porsches is because I have a relationship with the manufacturer, but I, I don't have the capability of doing that. Isn't 1320 feet equal eighth mile? No, um, 1320 is a quarter mile, and eighth mile, yes, is 200 meters. So they half of that, you know. Um, have you ever looked into thermoelectric cooling? No, I haven't. That is a good point. Hmm, I have not. Hmm. Anyway, Mexico says Chineme, and uh, mommy, you know, America will in on no, no. Make a mara, eh? You know, go. Motor in your all-wheel drive wagon? Great question. It's a bit different. My head is from a K24Z7 from the 9th Gen Civic Si. My bottom end is from a K24Z3, which is from the newer TSX. It just so happened, so happened that Gonigo had a block for a Z3 that was stock-sleeved. So it has a single port, and I like that because it's like a very elegant log manifold. So for natural aspiration, yeah, it leaves a little bit of, of power on the table because the intake ports, even though it flows better than any K-series, yes, the K24Z7 intake flows better than any K-series ever factory out the box. I didn't even have to port it. I just had the guys from SB Machine do a little bowl cleanup and a valve job, competition valve job on it. But exhaust flows like a, 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 a poor B-series, right? But for turbocharging, having a short PRL manifold and putting a turbo on that, that thing can spool a 72 millimeter like that. So that being said, that's what I use. I love that. And the gearbox I used was from a second generation CRV. Allowed me to mate the bell housing of the all-wheel drive application to that of a Quave sequential. So it's pretty cool. Holy, that Spanish threw me off guard impression. Well, actually burning all your white tea. Um, that wasn't Spanish, that's Igbo. That's the tribe I'm from in West Africa, coastal Nigeria, and Chineme is my tribesman. So I was speaking to him in my language, you know? It's an aluminum plate, says Grand Yoginess. When a current it ran through, on one side it gets very hot and the other side gets very cold, it's called the Petrier effect. I'm gonna look into that because that seems like if it's something that can be easily controllable, that looks like 
a very elegant solution to what I'm trying to achieve. And I'm sure it takes advantage of that transition, you know, with heat transfer where heat wants to transfer from a region of high concentration to one of lower. So that may be a good way of doing that. I will look into that. And if you don't mind, Peltier effect. If you can DM me that, since I don't have writing material, shame on me. I should still have writing material in these Tech Tuesdays. It's pretty crazy, right? Um, what is the best turbo for an 83mm 11-1 B-series drag car? Oh, depends on what power potential you want to make. But a very popular application that I've seen here is a 64-66. That's what we sell a lot to B-series with 82 and 83mm setups in 11-1 when they run E85, you know? Failure cooling would be a great big efficiency loss since it eats up more energy than a radiator and a fam. Interesting. I knew there was no free lunch, but let me look into that nonetheless. Wow. What's your favorite vehicle color? Blue. <laughs> I love blue cars. I just do. Um, I just did the whole kind of gray and, and hot pink thing uh, as a way of really creating some awareness and buzz around that, you know? Thermal Engineering Tuesday. Yep, Heat Transfer Tuesday. Or dare I say, Heat and Mass Transfer Tuesday, eh? Anyway, you're absolutely correct, burning all your white tea. But guess what? Based on that, it's now time for me to bid you guys adieu. This afternoon, I'm going to do a film review on this lovely Taycan Turbo S. If you need more information on it, definitely you can refer to my YouTube page at BCMoto, above and beyond that. My friends at Rosnack will be more than happy to help you with this Taycan Turbo S or Standard Turbo or Base Model. Great guys. It's an amazing car. And the interior is absolutely it's so great, I want to take a cue of that, take an interior and infuse into my next EV project. It's this nice black and red combination that's so elegant and not overwhelming. You know how some reds are just ah, in your face? This is really nice. Anyway, guys, it's good seeing you. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Stay safe, stay tuned. Remember what we talked about with the Take on Trouble S today. Remember what we also talked about, about remote tuning. Do what's right. Thanks for all the great questions. Thanks for being a great audience. And thanks for participating with me on this 139th episode of the Tech Tuesday. And Sick All-Wheel Drive says he wants his t-shirt. For you, I'll put in production. Fine, I'll do it. Thank you so much, guys. Let me know what size you want through DMs, and I'll make it happen. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Have a good one. Bye-bye.